As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So if I'm in your bookstore and I say, oh, I love a good thriller. I love Agatha Christie, but I don't want anything that gives me nightmares and I'm kind of a sensitive soul. Do I leave your store with that book in my hands? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so good. Hey, everyone. I'm Anne Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, Episode 40. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Today's guest is Helen Saltzman, and I'm not exaggerating when I say I've been wanting to have her on the show for a solid year, which is before we even launched our first episode. Holland is a former school librarian who now owns a wonderful bookstore in St. Louis called The Novel Neighbor. Holland is funny and friendly and just plain smart about books, and you're going to feel like you know her too in just a couple of minutes. Holland and I could have taught books for hours and hours, and we actually taught books a lot longer than you'll hear in today's episode, which means I have good news for you. Make sure you're subscribed because tomorrow we're releasing our very first Wednesday episode of What Should I Read Next? It's our fall book preview. Holland and I both share a few titles we've already read and loved and can't wait for you to read too, as well as a few titles we can't wait to get our hands on. To make sure you don't miss this episode, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Just go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash iTunes and hit subscribe. Take a minute now, check your settings. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now on to today's show. Let's get to it. Holland, welcome to the show and my office. So this is fun. Holland is in town visiting family. So we get to record this in my house. This is a first with the exception of my eight-year-old. So you and Lucy have that in common. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. Okay. What you all don't know is Holland and I recorded an episode very, very early before the show even launched because I love her and her opinions on books. And the audio did not work out. So you can thank me for sparing you from the alien sounding audio, but it made me really sad because you're so going to enjoy hearing to her today. So this is our redo. This is our redo. I, I'm convinced it was because I was drinking bourbon and the ice was clinkling in the glass and you're just too nice to tell me that that was the problem. I love that reason. That is the best reason to have something go wrong. Okay. So if you listen to the show, then you actually have heard me talk about Holland before because I get a lot of book recommendations from you. Yes. And we are I, I kind of covert. I like that we can share books that you maybe have access to that I don't and vice versa. And so then I like when we kind of say, I'm sending you this, but I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. And so when we don't offer the opinion immediately, I'm always curious of 
we're going to go with it. I assume that's a bad thing when you don't offer the opinion immediately. Um, ditto. But it might. But you never know what the reason is. So I kind of always have that in the back of my hi- my mind of like, what did she think? What, what what's what's going to go on here? I've had this experience checking books out from the library before and borrowing books from friends. But most recently, I had it from you, where you sent me your advanced copy of A Gentleman in Moscow, and you left post-it notes in it. I didn't realize that I'd left post-it notes in it, but I was really excited that you were excited about it because I don't do a lot of the, what are the cute post-its that you use? The little arrows. The book darts. The book darts that everybody talks about. Um, I need to just buy a pack of those, and I don't, or I should at least have them uh, for sale at the store. But I do have really large post-its so that I can go back if there's a particular phrase or sentence that I want to remember. So I'll take a photo of it, and then I have a folder that I keep all my favorite quotes from books. If I ever come intern at the Novel Neighbor in St. Louis, if I win a lottery and get to be a bookstore employee for the day, which seriously, I would so love to do that for a day. I have told you multiple times, you all are welcome. You or your whole family can kind of come take over and and, and work the shop and my family and I will take off out of town or just you (laughs) and we'll have a really fun weekend. Um, Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. We'll order the book darts first because I could sell the heck out of those. I'm a big fan. So here's here's what people know about you already if you've been listening to all 30-something, almost 40 wow. episodes. Lifetime reader, but a fairly new independent bookstore o- owner. So that's the novel neighbor in St. Louis. So you've always been a reader, but now it's your job to, to know about books. It is, and um, it's still really, really fun most of the time because people are like, um, oh, it must be fun to sit around and read all the time. And I was like, that's really cute because for the probably first year, and uh, in, uh, we're just about two years old um, right now, but the first year I probably read less than what I had in the past 10 years, and just getting the business going and all the details that you think you know that you don't. And But we're in a good pace now, and I'm, I'm back to reading but I've never not enjoyed reading um it just sometimes it's a struggle if I finish a book and I didn't really like it and then I might need to sell it (laughs) so it's finding the balance of maybe everybody else in the world loved it but I didn't and how to be able to talk about it or if I just really really didn't like it and then you know that's kind of what you're trying to do the whole time is figure out what to carry in your store what not to carry and what's gonna you know what you can excitedly share which when you came through in April um, I sort of forced a book upon you, um, but I knew you have a couple of triggers that you don't read about, and this one had one, and I just made you swear you wouldn't look at the inside of it and just read it, and you were you followed instructions very well. It's a good thing you told me that, because otherwise I seriously wouldn't have read it. So it's a good thing you had all those years of reading banked since opening a store, ironically. Uh, we do, and then, you know, if I run a report, the best sellers are the ones that my staff and I have read and love. So even if it's Tell the Wolves I'm Home or Language of Flowers or Shotgun Love Songs, like books that are, you know, years old, they're my favorites. And I know people still haven't discovered them. So it's a lot of, yes, a lot of backlist sales, but also needing to read ahead to figure out what's going to be big in the fall or, you know, next winter. We're already doing orders for books that are coming out next spring. And I have to, you know, without reading the book, a lot of times determine, do I want one copy? Do I not want a copy? And that's with a bazillion different publishers. So it keeps it interesting. (laughs) I bet it does. Okay. Well, that actually sounds a lot like the challenge of this podcast, which is helping readers decide what, what are good books and what are good books for them. And it is not always the same thing. So I bet you do that every day in the store. Yes, we will definitely, I will have somebody that comes in and is looking, maybe they're not sure what they're looking for, or they'll tell me a genre they're interested in, and I'll pull out 20 books, and none of them quite 
fit for where they are right now. And that's okay. And sometimes they'll end up with something on their own. Sometimes it's just not, you know, fitting that day that they walk out empty handed. Or a lot of times uh, somebody will take four and then we keep notes in the, you know, in the cash register of like, please put down those other four so I can come back or that you can remember them and things like that because I won't remember them the next time. That is awesome that you do that. Oh, it, we just, we didn't know the point of sale system did it, but then people started asking about wish lists. So, I mean, it was just right there in the customer database that you can put, put notes. And that's also helpful for gifts because we also do local artist gifts. Or if somebody is just wanting to remember books they want to read or wanting people to know what to buy them, if <laughs> their spouse or partner or someone wants to come in and get them a gift, we've got a list of books that they really want to read. I love that you're doing that great service for book lovers everywhere. So you know how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you've been reading lately, and then we'll talk about what you should read next. So let's start. Can we start with that one that I know you're going to pick that you recommended to me that I've like gushed about ad nauseum on the show? Certainly. My favorite book still to date of 2016 is The One in a Million Boy by Monica Wood. It hasn't been unseated. That makes me happy. No, it has. I mean, I've read some... We'll talk about it in a little bit, but I've got some other new favorite in different categories, but still, I just, I don't know what it was about it the day I picked up the advanced reader copy about a month early, but I finished it in one sitting and I'm a pretty low emoter and I had tears in my eyes on that last page. I just did. And that just doesn't happen to me. And so, um, yeah, still to this day, favorite one. Okay. So you don't have to give us a plot synopsis, but tell us a little bit about how you found that one and what made it your best book of 2016 so far. I think sometimes I don't like, um, a lot of shtick in a book or just, uh, multiple narrators and all this other stuff just, just because, but this one, I think because it did sort of go present and then looking back on her life and then present day circumstances and then just some looking back like even months before and um, with the boy, the one in a million boy who was obsessed with the Guinness Book of World Records. And I loved that sort of the little synopsis uh, everywhere in the book that just would talk about the top 10 of this or the fastest this or the, the birds that fit this. It just it complemented it just it was so original it just it added to the story it I don't know it just the dynamics that the book really broke down to about four central characters and then a couple of really important surrounding characters and the story I just it's a story that hadn't been told and it was unusual but not weird I would agree with that absolutely is that what you tell people in your bookstore it's unusual but not weird you'll love it I've just said it's my favorite book of 2016 and sort of force it into their hands and not let them leave the store without it. So <laughs> that's probably more effective. Um, it's it's worked quite well. I think I just ordered my my next carton. Uh, it's one of the few books that I've ordered, you know, um, in carton form. So that's, you know, and that's what you want is to, you know, and that's what I you want to find a book you love that much and to share it with everybody else. OK, what's book two? So book two is The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. I've never read it. Still, still. I know. And you know, this is my favorite, but it's okay. It's not for everybody. It is not for everybody. And I read it. Um, I picked it up the first time mid nineties when I think it was first coming out. I worked at St. Louis University. It was a Jesuit school and there's Jesuits play a large part in this book. Um, and I just, I reread it knowing if I was opening a bookstore that people would ask, what's your favorite book of all time? And so I had to reread it, uh, you know, 10, 15 years, 20 years later to make sure it still sort of fit. And, and it did. And it just, I, um, I, it is, it technically fits in the sci-fi category, which I'm not a sci-fi genre reader at all. 
Um, but it does involve some interplanetary space travel. So there's that, but it's so not about that. There's like relationships and the socioeconomics and religion and questioning of faith. And it just, it is, um, you know, if you love it, you love it. And there are lots of people, um, she's married, Dory Russell's pretty active on Facebook and a couple other social media things. And I think currently, and I could be completely lying that AMC or one of the TV shows like has optioned and it's, there's been so many people tied to it. And a lot of people are so excited, but yet really fearful of seeing this produced because it's a pretty rabid favorite for a lot of people okay so since it's not the interplanetary travel that hooked you what do you love about it is it themes character feelings what is it yes (laughs) (laughs) to all of those it just i mean the the people that come together uh to travel together is it is the relationships and you love these people and then there's something pretty horrific that happens and but again, it's a, maybe this is a theme for me is that it goes back to present and um, future. It just it, you, you're slowly finding the story out. And so maybe that's maybe I just realized that I kind of like that you're trying to figure it out. And it's just slowly unfolding of what has happened. I intend to read it. I just haven't gotten there yet. I challenge you <laughs> by 2018. No, you know what? It needs to be by the end of 2017 because... What's so interesting is when I read it in the mid nineties, it was two futuristic time frames that you were reading, and it was twenty seventeen and like twenty sixty four. So when I was reading it in the mid nineties, twenty seventeen sounded so far away that that was just it was it's weird that you know it's so not now. So, so to get the original intended experience, I got to do it soon before twenty eighteen. <laughs> Noted. Okay, book three. Okay, we're going in a completely different direction, and this is just current. This is, I'm sure, for any reader to have to pick, you know, it's, I can't even say they're my top three. They're just three that I am excited about right now. Um, So The Curious Charms of Arthur Pepper um, by Phaedra Patrick, and this is just lovely, and for people who did Major Pettigrew's Last Stand, um, the A.J. Frickery, um, people who love David, it is just this charming story about a widow who... Uh, has lost his wife, takes place in um, an Eng- small town, small uh, village in England. And he's, you know, puttering around, not knowing what to do after he's lost his wife. And one day decides, okay, at least I'm going to go through her things. And he finds a charm bracelet that uh, was stuck in a boot and he never remembers her wearing it. And sort of to give himself a purpose, he decides to track down where each of the charms came from. And it is just a great story of kind of his next phase in life I keep hearing good things about that but I didn't know exactly what it was about although I have heard it compared to a man called Uva and um, Major Pettigrew yes I would I would put it in that category that it's just it's um, very much so I mean if you've liked those that'll be it's in um, it's a hardcover I think it came out in April and again I just sort of read it in a couple of sittings and I don't mean to overuse the word charming, but it does. It falls in that same category, and it happens to be in, you know, um, Curious Charms of Arthur Pepper. But I just, it's funny. um, It's it's smart. uh, He's a great character to follow along. It took me a while to get into A Man Called Uwe. This one didn't take me as long to get into. Still loved it, you know, um, the other one. But uh, it just, I really, I think it's, it's an easy book for a lot of people. I quit Uva, I think twice. And then Mary Beth Whalen told me to uh, try it on audio because it was like the best audio book she'd listened to in a long time. And I did. And I was hooked. 
I think that really makes a difference. And I'm learning that just because I've got, because people sometimes will admit that they're listening to an audiobook and they're like, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, I listen to audio, whether it's through the library or whether it's, um, you know, through another service online. It's just, I have to keep up. And that's one of the, you know, my cheats is that I just constantly have a book on audio so that if I'm running 15, 20 minutes here or there, but I think a narrator can make or break a story. And I've even stopped a book the opposite the narrator was driving me nuts and then picked it up in paper then it was fine yep yeah there's really no other way to read while driving that's that people are okay with yes until we all get those self-driving cars that seem to be having a little issues as well we we do need to not be reading while driving i would be so fine with that but you know till then thank you audible okay what is the book you don't love I think you said don't love and not hate. Low a motor. I don't, I don't hate. <laughs> um, I was torn between, you know, last year, Fate and Furies, this year, The Nest. And I, and I know a lot of people adored and loved and bestseller for both of those. Uh, but for both of them, it was really, I just kept trying to love them or even like them a lot. And it just didn't. And as we were talking about kind of audiobooks a little while ago, I even tried The Nest in audio and on paper. So that, those two would be my most recent, not a fan. Did you read them start to finish? I did read Fates and Furies start to finish. Um, I like with a day or two in between, just because I was kind of getting worn out reading it. I don't, sometimes if it, like, if I emotionally am feeling exhausted by the characters, um, Jonathan Franzen does that to me sometimes. I think he's an incredible writer. Um, I've loved some of his stories, you know, St. Louis born and bred. But I have a really hard time sometimes with some of it. Like I, I physically have to just take a break because they wear me out. Um, so I kind of felt like that with Fates and Furies and then The Nest. Exactly. The, and that probably I'm finding a lot of genre similarities that I don't know because I'm verbally processing with you today. Yeah, it's characters that wear me out. Like I just I, I keep waiting for something to strike a chord with me. Some hopefulness. Just some. I, mean, I don't know. Okay. So I haven't read The Sparrow. So you'll have to tell me if this is on the right track or not. But your other two favorites have very likable characters. And the books that you don't quite love or like do. Th those characters are not sympathetic. No. Unfortunately, you fall in love with all the characters in The Sparrow. And that's that's part of the harrowing story of it. And so um, I would say you easily could say they all have likable characters. Unfortunately, you fall in love. Now I'm intrigued. That might get me to read it before 20. When's my deadline? End of 2017. Excellent. Okay. What are you reading now? I just flew through Behind Closed Doors by B.A. Paris. I um, had heard people talking about it. Um, and I. it's one of those things that I had the advanced copy, you know, before probably six months before it came out. And it just, you just can't read everything. And it something will end up on the top of my stack and then move its way down for no reason at all. I have no method to the madness of what I read, but I kind of needed to check out this past weekend. And so I, I always gravitate to a good grisly thr thriller. <laughs> so I in one sitting, I, um, but it was so twisted and messed up that I don't even know how to talk about it. Um, but this definitely uh, falls into um, a different category of psychologically twisted and, again, kind of um, 
the one book that I can compare it to just is uh, Neil Schusterman's Unwind. Is It's actually a young adult book, but it is, to this date, probably one of the most disturbing books I've ever read, but I love it. Because they, they, they somehow create this horrific idea that I never in my life would have thought about. So, and I don't know, it just, it's, there's something um, enjoyable about that. <laughs> Not, we're far away from redeeming characters here, but um, yeah. So I, yeah, that was, so that's currently reading, but currently read because that would, I devoured very quickly. Okay. No magic wands or anything involved. No time turners, but is there anything you want more of in your reading life? All things being equal. I'd love a very lovely place to sit outside and I don't have a great outside place to read. Like, so that, that is about the only thing that, you know, um, it's very buggy in St. Louis. So to go sit outside, it's not fun and pleasant and things like that. Of course, I'd like to put an ocean in somewhere really easily because that's my happy, you know, as place like many people. Um, I'm reading present over perfect right now. I think we were talking about that and it's, it's definitely talks a lot about the water and ocean and things like that. So, um, yes, that, that would be it. But, you know, I think, uh, I've, I've found time to read again after being in business for two years. So I feel, you know, you just, I just have to make that a priority along with all your other competing priorities. But I feel very fortunate to be doing something that I love and enjoy and it doesn't feel like homework to have to go you know a couple of you, when you have 32 books next to your table and then in your dining room stacked on that 32 more and then others show up every day I'm just learning how to just not be overwhelmed by it and just know that I can only read what I can we'll hook our husbands up and start that support group for them spouses of <laughs> book bookish people bookish we'll just keep that positive Spouses of Book Lovers. Spouses of Book Lovers Anonymous. We will have new books for your stack because you need them so clearly, so badly, obviously, right after the break. Holland, welcome back to my office. So excited to be here. <laughs> Still, I think I'm going to hang out all day. That would be fun. You can help me organize my books and tell me what to read next. That would be really fun. We'll do that next. I'm really excited about this next part because I think people are hesitant to tell me what they think I should read next because I, I, it's very rare that someone will come in my store and say, have you read this? Oh my gosh, I think you should read this, um, which I love because again, there's no rhyme or reason to what happens to make it to the top of my pile. You know, it might be a publishing rep who's like, I learning what you love. Let me send you this next. And, you know, or it just might be the cover. I, I am a sucker for a good cover of, of a book. And so if it's a, you know, hardcover that came out that it didn't necessarily strike my fancy when I got the advanced reader, I'll pick it up. So I'm very excited about what you think I should read next. Well, that's why I want you to shuffle my pile because it's really nice to have other readers opinions, you know, weigh in and help us you know there's tons of books out there sometimes we all need a little guidance right or if it's sort of something that maybe you've heard about once or twice and all it takes is that third person and you're like okay fine I'm gonna read it I've now heard about it from three people it hadn't been on my radar screen so I'm reading that next that's absolutely how I make decisions a lot of the time all my life decisions are made that way <laughs> three people tell me to do it I'll do it <laughs> I like it. Okay, so here's what I'm saying about your books. So we already talked a little bit about the likable characters. You don't have any crazy, offbeat, indie, nobody's ever heard of them before books on your shelf here. 
I would say that the one in a million boy would have fit that bill before you and I talked about it incessantly and got everybody excited about it because I think it still isn't having the traction that a mainstream top 10 bestseller has been. So I, I would slightly argue that one. Oh, I didn't mean it like that, but nothing weird, nothing weird. Okay. So here's what I see in your picks. We've got a lot of like sadness and joy together, a lot of bittersweet going on. We've got well-developed characters at the end of the day. Okay. Tell me about the sparrow, but like, even though they're sad, you close the book and go, I feel a little bit better about the state of the world now. Yes. (laughs) Is that true about the sparrow? Yes. Yes. I mean, it's not that everything gets tied in any of these. Um, Nothing gets tied up with a perfect bow that there's not necessarily happily ever after, but it does not end on a, what I like to call the independent film note of like, all of a sudden (laughs) it just stops and you're like, and then roll credits. You're like, whoa, no, 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 no. Like it just, it doesn't leave you unfulfilled. Which is not the case with The Nest or Fates and Furies. Agreed. Okay. I also, so The Sparrow, you are not the first person I've heard refer to that as the first book of all time. Curious Charms of Arthur, Arthur Pepper. It doesn't seem like it's everywhere. Correct. And um, I, the other person who I think you and I used to both listen to was Anne Kingman um, from Books on the Nightstand. We can have a moment of silence for the... Exactly. She's still alive and kicking, but for the podcast... Um, it's not Ann Kingman and Michael kindness. Yeah. Cause I've heard, I've heard it in my, yeah. And yeah, no big, we had a books on the nightstand shelf in the novel neighbor along with our modern Mrs. Darcy shelf. Um, that's good company. It's great company. We had Oprah too, for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So, and that was like one of my, I forget what podcast I fell in with them, but when she said it as well, like I then became a bit of a fan girl with books on the nightstand with Ann and Michael. You're the one who told me about that. So I would say, I would tell them to thank you, except now they are no more so sad. But then I heard this rumor, but I didn't like when I sort of heard the podcast where they were sort of saying it was a lot po- last podcast. I, I had to sh- like, okay, maybe I got busy at work, but then I never finished listening to it because I couldn't deal with the words of like, we're not going to do this anymore. But I heard a rumor that they recommended yours. Like they were recommending podcasts to go to next. Do you know this? Or is this a truth? This is the truth. And Michael said, I sounded kind of like Delilah, a voice made for radio, which is different than a face made for radio. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't saying either. I hope neither one of us had, I would never tell somebody that. But we have a local radio DJ here who's always said that he has a face made for radio. You can say it about yourself. No, I like that a lot. It's made me laugh. So yeah, that's awesome. Okay. I want them to come on. Michael and Anne, one day, one day. Okay. So you have the one in a million boy on here, which is not anything I saw anywhere before you told me, or really since, unless I know that they heard about it from me or you. So the thrill of discovery isn't a bad thing either. You don't mind reading something unknown if you have a strong recommendation that it would be worth your while. Completely agreed, because that's what I think. You're going to have your bestsellers, and there's such coverage of certain books or publishers will get behind to really get, you know, they have their hot titles that they're rolling out for each season and things like that. And so that's what I do in a way, I feel like that that's part of our job is to find the lesser known ones. And then that's what, you know, you have good publishing reps for that'll sort of try to put things on the top of your pile to say, you know, as they get to know you, which is really helpful. And sometimes that's even hit or miss, but I 
seriously was getting ready to go to, I think it was BEA, which is a conference um, in May. And I just needed some books for the plane. So I seriously went to our advanced reader shelf and no rhyme or reason. I can't even tell you what I did, but I pulled that book. I pulled a middle grade and a YA. So I just wanted to make sure I had those going in and I devour, I, I finished it on the plane. It was just and I, like I said, I sort of had tears and I just sat with it for a little while, which is so not me. I'm not a huge reflector either. Um, but I was like, that is why I read. I loved this book. And so then, um, you know, I wanted to know, you know, more about the author. I wanted to know, you know, I just wanted to know when it was coming out, who I could get it to, who, you know, like get in touch with my publishing. I go a bit fangirl, which is, I think, why the publishers and the authors do what they do because with well we'll talk about some fall books coming out but then once I love I mean I stalked Monica Wood and wanted wanted to know her recipe that she refers to in the book and I you know my contacted my publishing rep and I was like it just I got really excited about it I love that okay I don't know if I have anything that's really like below the radar here but still we're gonna see what we can do okay I'm gonna start with the one that I think is the less least likely for you to have heard of Book one is Someone Else's Love Story by Jocelyn Jackson. What do you know? Absolutely nothing. I'm so excited. Oh, fun. Oh, fun. Okay. So she writes Southern fiction. And here's what you need to know about this. So second shout out to Mary Beth Whalen, who knows her audiobooks, apparently. She told me that she really fell in love with Jocelyn Jackson's writing, um, even though she read it in in book book form before when she started listening to the audiobook she reads her own work and that is not always a good idea for the author to read her own work that is a different skill set but this time it makes it even better which is the case for a lot you know it goes back and forth her accent the way she does the characters are just perfect okay so someone else's love story this is not her first novel I don't know where it falls into her body of work. Does that sound official and serious? This book has a great opening line. It's something like, I fell in love with that boy at gunpoint at the Circle K or something like that. So immediately you're like, what? It's really fun. So this is the story of Shandy Pierce, who is trying to finish college, um, raise her miracle child, Natty, who is three years old she has a best friend who figures prominently in the story Walcott and so she falls in love with this guy when she's in the Circle K on the way I think she's on the way back to college and the Circle K gets held up and she is saved by this tall beautiful man that she refers to often as the blonde god Thor see this sounds great because I like to be all I'm very highbrow and read really important stuff let's be honest my entire like tween and teen years were like devouring all of like the teen romances like so angsty so you know tie it up in a in, a, in an interesting story um with a with a good and, and come on southern sure i'm in i love that that's how you framed it because at first that's the story you think you're in you think you're in so shandy's like oh i found my dream man and she becomes involved in his life and she envisions this very sweet love story but she soon realizes Realize she has stepped into the middle of a drama that has been in progress for a long time and it takes her a very long time to get oriented and we follow along as she figures out what exactly is going on in this man's life and how it relates to hers and all his history and it's very compelling very interesting well told to the audio version please 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 it's a lot of fun what do you think i think i'll add it to my audio to listen to on the way home i can't wait to hear what you think 
because I do think, I mean, so by Southern fiction, I do not remotely mean that you only need to be in the South. How do you even describe Southern fiction as a bookseller? I, I don't. I mean, and not that I not. No, no, I just I just I mean, I just think that setting, you know, it just sort of more I talk about like where the setting takes place more so. But I do. I mean, I, but I think a lot of people use descriptions, but I don't know that I have a a book that's my favorite that is Southern fiction. So, you know, I enjoy good whiskey women by Fred Minnick of Louisville. Um, when we sell quite a few of his books, cause I have my own entire See, bourbon's another theme. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, but yeah, so that hasn't been necessarily a very specific regional genre that I've been drawn to. If it's good fiction with a great setting, then I'm in. I'm not drawn specifically to a certain region either, which is why I think it's worth saying that if you're like, well, I'm not really into Southern fiction, that's totally fine. It's a good story. Great. I'm very excited about it because I know nothing of this except that Jocelyn Jack Jocelyn Jackson sounds like Joshua Jackson, who was Pacey on Dawson's Creek, and I loved him. So you can educate your readers in the bookstore if you love it, and it makes the Holland recommend shelf um the age is silent so it looks like jocelyn but it's not it's jocelyn okay jocelyn jackson got it now you know now you're in the know okay book two what do you think about the hundred year old man who what who woke up and climbed out the window i know exactly what you're talking about because somebody special ordered it probably six months ago and i keep getting it back in the store and it keeps selling and every time it sells i think i should read this book because it looks really curious so i'm excited it's on your list because that will um it's sort of a multiple next endorsement that i need to pick up this book i love the cover i really like the cover it's a great cover okay the official title is the 100 year old man who climbed out the window and disappeared so here's what you need to know about this book some people love it some people hate it it is in the vein of harold fry and i imagine the curious charms of arthur pepper and major Pettigrew's last stand where we have an old man who wakes up on his hundredth birthday getting ready to have a big celebration at his nursing home because he's reached this big milestone and there's press and there's family and cake and everything and he says like I've about had enough of this and I'm gonna go do something um I think we've all been there (laughs) um at different points and things like that um that's sort of, I think I did read the description when, because when people special order things, you know, we can't carry everything. I'm always curious. And, you know, sometimes if it's enough to engage me, I'll get one copy for them and one copy for the store just to see what it's about. And so, like I said, this one, I keep, we, it just keeps walking out the door without any push behind me or recommendation. So somebody out there, or they've done a good job with the front page or the description that it, people keep gravitating towards it. And again, so this is Scandinavian. Um, it is not as, it's not as feel good, heartwarming, uncomplicated, like it's not that Major Pettigrew and Harold Fry don't have their complications, but they're not quite as oddball as this one is. Oddball like Rosie Project? No, no, no. No, 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 no. Different altogether. Just a little, there will be more raised eyebrows in the Jonason than there are in those other ones. Interesting. Also a double J author like your previous one. Whoa. (laughs) I did not even notice that. That's one way to pick books. How do you pronounce, because I'm going to, because it's Scandinavian, I think I'm going to butcher this name as well. I thought it was Jonas Jonasson, but I just made that up. Um, that's okay. I, I, I still wasn't confident about a man called Ove until I heard you say it because I've just said of in the store for the last two years, well, year that it's been out. So that's the beauty of the audiobook. 
you learn how to pronounce things. Exactly. Exactly. I forget because it's been so long now, but I remember, however, I was reading Hermione in my head when I read Harry Potter for the first time before audio or movie or anything like that. And then when I heard the first correct pronunciation, it took me like weeks to wrap around it because I had pronounced it differently in my head the whole time reading those books. It was crazy. And it drove me, I did the same thing and it drove me insane because I felt like I couldn't connect to that character until I could pronounce her name properly. I did the same thing with Ian McEwan's atonement. Like I could not figure out how to pronounce Bryony. Like I just, could not get there and it made me crazy and she wasn't likable which at least you know it wasn't the heroine I was rooting for but but still made me insane so this is so so strange because at the break we talked about if you wanted to go maybe women's fiction and you said yes and so I have I had my long list of like 15 titles that I was thinking about recommending and you know what I put the star by White one. Okay, book three. Have you read it? This is Jojo Moyes, The Girl You Left Behind. I have not. I have read a couple of her very mainstream, me before you, that I joke that it has to have like a, a, war- a sticker warning on the front that you will ugly cry. Um, and then another one I had downloaded that I really liked um, that I, th- I found this one before she, uh, before I even knew kind of who she was and things like that called One Plus One. So this one is new to me. Okay, so this is historical fiction. Have you heard of Kristen Hanna's The Nightingale? Yes, bestseller, um, really good. A lot of people, it's been an interesting, not that we keep tally, but between um, All the Light We Cannot See and The Nightingale, a lot of people have kind of, they've read them either concurrently or back to back, and a lot of people have strong opinions of which one they liked better um, with those two. So yes. Which one is winning at The Novel Neighbor? All the Light We Cannot See still by a hair, but I think once people kind of pick up The Nightingale... um, then it, it's just such a different story, um, even though the time frame is so different. But it, and just when I think we're not done with World War II, another book comes out and it's just such a different, there's so many different ways to tell the story that's going on during this time. And I, just when I think that I'm done, I'm not. So I hear you. They still keep coming. And I think, find a new, find a new period, except. Except, I mean, there's so, maybe there's just so much material. I mean, wonderful books that keep coming out and will continue to come out this fall for World War II. It's crazy. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so historical fiction, that's when I was trying to narrow down my picks for my three that I love, there's definitely some that did not make the list that are, you know, huge historical fiction books that I've thoroughly enjoyed. So I'm happy to see one on my list. Okay. So this novel, it goes back in time between... 1916 and it's set in the present day so it's basically 100 years so we're telling the story of a contemporary woman whose life has kind of fallen apart and then a woman in Paris during World War One. and these names are very French so I really appreciated the audiobook so I knew how to say Sophie Lefavre because otherwise I might not have gotten there. Susan Vreeland is another one of my favorite authors and she takes kind of works of art um, or uh, she did Clara and Mr. Tiffany and create some historical fiction around it and one of my favorite ones that I listened to was like um it it had I'm not going to do justice to the title of the book right now but it's it the whole historical fiction is around the painting uh lunching at the boat dock party 
and everything is and I, and I had to go listen because in my head you talk about mispronunciation like everything in my head was that like when I was reading all these streets and these cities and these people's names was all that good French that I do not pronounce well at all that is what I love about that have I already said the audiobook is great do the audiobook if that if you really like accents because first of all you don't have that self crippling I am butchering this and I know it and I'm so uncomfortable with it but I don't know what to do and it's so atmospheric to hear them pronounce the names correctly and it really gives you a feel for the characters because the French women in Paris and then in the Parisian or the French countryside have their French accents we have a modern day British woman and then we have an American art investigator who sounds who has the flattest midwestern accent you have ever heard and just the so the juxtaposition of all these different accents is really it's fun. It's fun to listen to and really helps you get oriented in the story. So these women are linked by a beautiful painting that our contemporary woman just loves and has never known the provenance of. But this art inspector is investigating war crimes and seizing people's works of art is a war crime. And so his job is to determine who needs to be made restitution to and which works of art have been falsely taken from other people. That sounds very similar. So I'm loving this to a book by Jesse Burton that I just finished called The Muse. That's been on my shelf for like six months. Okay. Again, I she wrote another book called The Miniaturist that I really liked because it takes place in Amsterdam and any book that takes place in Holland I'm gonna love because oh. <laughs> <laughs> touche because I am um, and I, I I don't forget if I had the advanced reader but uh, the hardcover came out and I'm a sucker for a good cover so I picked it up and read it sounds very similar there's the there's a woman who comes from um, the Caribbean. She's working in London and um, she meets and she's working at an art gallery and she meets a man who is in possession of a painting. And then it's the backstory as well that you're finding out about this painting as well as how that plays into it. And I loved it. So this sounds perfect. Excellent. But at least there's World War One here because otherwise it would be like reading the same story over and over. But yeah, that's exactly what happened. So in order to prove that she gets to hold on to this prized possession of hers, she has to discover its origins and so that's the leaping off point to take us back in time to the origins of the painting and I won't say anything else so what that sounds promising it sounds very promising and very in line with other books that I enjoyed that work along with historical fiction and I do like there's something about being not artistic at all I keep finding myself reading I mean multiple books about histories of these different um, paintings or pieces of art and things like that so it's a genre I didn't know that I kept going back to, but I have yet to have one that I haven't enjoyed. So the arts and the creepy stuff is how you live vicariously. I don't know how to feel about it. So the really sadistic, horrible stuff and the arts. Yes, that's a great <laughs> summary for me. But then I also like, you know, tons of kid literature, which, you know, I kept myself this time to just adult books, which was really, really hard. Um, so, but we'll, you know, we'll talk about that. So the, there's a whole other side of me when we get to um, children's books. As long as you keep straight what you're recommending to whom. Uh, fair. Yeah, touche. <laughs> okay. Well, this was fun. Holland, of those three books, what do you think you'll read next? I'm excited about The Girl You Left Behind by Joe Moyes, but I think we're three for three here. I can't wait to hear what you think. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. 
Hey readers, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please head to the podcast site to let me know there what you thought of my recommendations and to share your recommendations for what Holland should read next. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 40. And it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That's Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. And don't forget to tag the show on Instagram at what should I read next so we can see what you are reading. Remember, we have a special episode coming tomorrow. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes so you don't miss it. Just go to what should I read next slash iTunes and hit subscribe. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.